0: The wind was not the beginning. There are neither beginnings nor endings to the turning of the wheel of time. But it was a beginning.
1: Hello and welcome. This is The Wind Was a Beginning, a podcast about Robert Jordan's The Wheel of Time. This is Season 2, Episode 6, Multiversal Rolodex.
0: Hello, listeners, and welcome back. We're here, ready to talk a little bit more about the Wheel of Time. Tonight, this week, we're going to be discussing chapters 16 through 18 of The Great Hunt, the second book of The Wheel of Time. My name is Justin, and with me as always is my best friend and a man who knows more about Wheel of Time than I will ever hope to know. Stephen, how are you doing this evening? (laughs) Oh,
1: I am doing great. I don't know that I know more than you'll ever hope to know. Uh, No, because...
0: you see, what's going to happen is when I think I know as much as you, you're going to come out with something that is completely out of left field that, like, you're going to be one of, like, ten people in the world that knows it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I could only wish. I wish I knew it that well. <laughs> that,
0: that, that, that's how much I respect your knowledge of this series. Oh, well, that's uh, and appreciated. I'm, I, mean, I just love it. I'm thankful for it because there's so much stuff that I'm like, uh, what's happening? Steven usually knows the answer. Uh, doing all right, man? Having having a good time?
1: Oh, yeah. I'm doing great. Uh, I, My wife and I, this weekend, went uh, yard selling. so we like to do that on nice weather Saturdays every now and again when we get a chance, and uh, we were almost done for the day, and my wife found another yard sale that somebody had posted on facebook or something so we drove over there turns out we got there like an hour before the garage show even started but the guy was nice enough to let us go ahead and and, uh look through the stuff and uh so we're looking around we're about to leave and he's like oh by the way if you walk in the front door over there and go inside we've got some dvds and books for sale as well i was like oh okay let's go take a look i walk in there My wife starts looking around at the movies and various books. I look at the first bookcase, and I see the spine of The Great Hunt, the book that we're currently on for this podcast. But not only do I see the spine of The Great Hunt, I see every other book in the series up until the very last book, all in a nice little row. And so my wife said she looked over at me, and I had this giddy smile on my face as I went over to the bookcase, with one hand on each one hand on the Eye of the World and the other on Towers of Midnight, took the entire stack in my arms and <laughs> and grabbed all of them. That's awesome. Uh, I think I paid a total of seventeen dollars for almost the entire almost series. The brand entire new series. Yeah, brand new and uh, the Towers of Midnight was a first edition.
0: That's insane. So, yeah. And, and that, that's That's so, really special. I had a great weekend. I say that's really special because I think you I don't know if you've said it on air before, but I know you've you've talked you talked to me about how you 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 had one time sold your your collection of the books. I did.
1: Uh I actually donated mine to donated. a local okay. Library at one point. Okay. Um so it has uh it was a a really big deal for me now to have all of them physically here in my hands again. Uh that's and awesome. I tell you what, it it made uh, getting ready for this episode a whole lot easier too. <laughs> it
0: does, it does when you have an actual <laughs> copy in your hand. I did the same thing. I actually, I, I sold um, my collection at a yard sale several years ago. Um, and you know, when we started this podcast, I started buying them again. I now have the the entire series in the uh, the trade paperback or the mass market paperback. Uh, and, and I like that I, I have that because they're, they're all uniform and neat. So they all look yeah. good together. Well, I had a, uh, somewhat, I guess you could say, Wheel of Time tangent, uh, weekend. Um, my dad came to visit, um, from about seven, eight hours away and we went to Charleston. For the day on Saturday, oh. which listeners, I'm sure many of you are aware, Charleston is, Charleston, South Carolina is where uh, Robert Jordan was from. So we didn't do anything, you know, I guess wheel of time related, but uh, took a boat tour through the harbor, um, did a little shopping in the downtown market and picked up a few things that, uh, you know, just little odds and ends, fun things and had a good uh, seafood dinner. And then came home and collapsed because I was tired after a long day. Got a little bit sunburnt. Um, <laughs> but, uh, it's all good. It's all good. So, uh, that was a good weekend too. Oh, yeah. uh, Really, really enjoyed it. And, uh, for listeners, um, I'm not going to give all the details, but I, I don't live that far from, from Charleston, South Carolina. So, um, it's a, it's a easy day trip and I love visiting there. Stephen, I'm going to have to get you down here sometime. And uh we're going to have to go.
1: I've got to come up there. Yes. It's uh it's well overdue.
0: <laughs> I know I know I know all the good places to eat. Well, not all of them. I know I know a few good places to eat. Um and cool things to do. So uh and who knows? Maybe we'll record an episode in person or something when when we do that. Uh, that be fun. Uh I guess, you know, after about 5 minutes now, I guess we need to actually get into this week's discussion.
1: Of yeah I'm sure our, our listeners
0: chapters. would appreciate that hey hey <laughs> we're just having a little we're having a little fun enjoying our time uh getting to talk to each other we didn't record last week um yeah, we normally record holiday. we normally record weekly but last week as we're recording was a holiday and now we're back at it so uh tonight as or this week as I mentioned we're discussing chapters 16 through 18. Uh, so if you haven't listened to those or haven't read those chapters yet, go ahead and hit the pause button. Go read those chapters, then come back and, uh, we'll discuss those three chapters. And we'll start, uh, we'll start with chapter 16, In the Mirror of Darkness. An unexpected structure helps Loyal to understand a bit more about the world that he, Rand, and Huron are in. But there isn't too much time for explaining before a woman's scream draws their attention elsewhere. with a well-placed arrow Rand rescues the most beautiful woman any of them have ever seen. Celine from Kyren. As they travel south, Celine reveals that she knows a lot about a lot of things. So I I have to say, Stephen, mm-hmm. you know last episode we talked a lot about this this world. Where Rand and Hurin and Loyal found themselves, and and you tried to explain it to me, uh, but it still went over my head. I have to be be honest uh, in so many ways, but Loyal actually helped me understand it uh, a little bit better. Uh, his his description, and and I guess maybe it was I mean, it was the simplicity of it. I suppose uh, not that you didn't do a good job, but it just really just it it, it hit as I was reading this week. Loyal says that they were in a world that might have been if things had happened differently. And we'll get into a little bit later, uh the next point about why this world is different. But it just something about the way that it was written. It just clicked and I got it. So uh thanks, Loyal. <laughs> Help me get it. And, and you know, it. It's weird. I, I don't know. You uh, tried to explain it to me, and it just went over my head. Um, I don't know. Maybe I was just being extra thick that week or something. Um, but now we got it. Uh, I think. I think I get it. I probably don't get it uh, as much as I think <laughs> I do. But but I think I get it. Um, it's a world that sometimes that might be if things had happened differently.
1: Yeah. Sometimes you know. it just takes looking at it in a written form and look and having your mind process it. Yeah. So, yeah, it's the uh, the world that could have been if something went different.
0: Yeah. And 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 in this world something had gone differently. Yeah. Um uh extremely differently, but but you you, you had a point you wanted to make before we really dive into that.
1: Well, uh my point is it's just a small thing, but it's something I picked up on I guess probably the third or fourth time I read this book. Uh, Distance is skewed and strange in this mirror world that they're in. Uh, So they're talking about this statue, and Royal makes a point of saying that it should be three to four days away, according to what Intar told them, and yet they managed to ride right over to it. So it's very strange... Uh, it makes you wonder how time is working with them right now mm-hmm. and exactly what's going on because it's uh, almost somewhat like the waves uh, in a way. Uh, yeah. It's like they're crossing a massive amount of distance much faster than they should, you know, basically making in half a day a trip that would have taken them three to four days.
0: Right. Well, I think that's even, that's even brought up, um, a little bit later in the chapter when Loyal is discussing the, the mirror worlds with Celine. Uh, and, and we're going to talk about how much she knows about these worlds in in a few minutes. But, uh, you know, Rand has the idea that maybe it is kind of like the ways, like you said. And then I, I think that's kind of confirmed that didn't it say something, uh, along the lines of, it was through studying or un- trying to understand these worlds that the Aes Sedai grew the ways? Wasn't that uh...
1: Yeah, it's, it's uh, made reference to the fact that the ways were created by, by those that had studied these stones.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So the people who... Uh, Aes Sedai, male Aes Sedai from the Age of Legends, who studied these uh, stones... Use the information they gained from that study to create the ways. Yeah, okay. So the ways are like a uh, distilled methodology that was learned from these portal stones. So I mean, that's that's kind of neat how it how it all works together there. I mean, the yeah. ways are their own distinct thing, but uh, you can see elements
0: overlap yeah. here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you're covering you know hundreds of leagues in you know. A day, two days. Yeah. Something like that. And, and I know it's even mentioned too that there are other worlds. This isn't the only like mirror yeah. world. There are others where, you know, the way distance is working in this one, time works in those other ones. Like, you know, you might be in the mirror world for a day and
1: a yeah. hundred
0: years might pass in, in, yep. in the real world. So it's all that kind of, uh, spatial, temporal—I uh, mean, kind of, kind of science fictiony. Yeah. I mean, well, you know, always... you, we we think of this. You know, I, I always think of this as a fantasy series and it is, but it's there's a lot, really a lot of science fiction uh, elements to it.
1: Yeah, I almost regard the Wheel of Time as a sci-fi fantasy. Yeah. Okay. Uh, just because there are elements that uh that kind of kick into the sci-fi. It's very, strange. you know, the series, it's got horror elements, it's got sci-fi, it's got fantasy, it's got, you know, drama, romance, right? there's a ton of little, different genres summed up in these books.
0: A little bit of everything, anybody can find something that they enjoy. Yep. And you might so, find some it. things that, that, that you don't enjoy as well, but there's some great, great stuff going on. I'm, I'm personally drawn to the fantasy uh, myself yeah. and um, you know I'm not I don't lean as heavily into the science fiction as as you do, uh, but yeah. hey, everybody uh, has their own thing, and we can still love things for what they are. Um, yeah, this, I think. Go ahead.
1: I think this section here, we're dealing with all like the quantum mechanics and the time dilation and uh, the distance being all screwy. I think that's really Robert Jordan just liking to he's. He's a physicist. Right. So he's he's enjoying playing in his own wheelhouse <laughs> in this world that he's created. Uh, uh, so that's... I just kind of imagine him having fun writing this type of stuff when he did. I mean, not that he didn't enjoy the entire series, but yeah. still.
0: Uh, it's like his favorite part of the sandbox. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so this this statue, first of all, you know, it's in the place where Hawkwings monument is supposed to be which is it's supposed to be torn down that statue is not supposed to exist anymore there's just supposed to be a mound there there is a statue in this world but we we quickly find out that it's it's very different and we learn that the the statue helps us to maybe see what happened differently in this world and i i think it's loyal that uh proposes the idea maybe proposes the idea that this is a world where the Trollocs won. Right. And that's why because there's the, n- there's nothing living remaining in this world, because the Trollocs only, they, they live to kill.
1: Yeah. So in the real world, Ardor Hawkwing uh, fought the Trollocs, a massive defeat for the Trollocs, tossed them back to the Blight, and allowed the civilized world as we know it now to basically flourish. Right. Uh, In this world, something happened, uh, and that didn't happen. He lost. He lost. The Trollocs overrun him, and without him and his army to stop the Trollocs, the rest of their world basically was overrun. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's talked about Rand's, like, almost like his voice died in his throat, his stomach wouldn't settle, you know, because it's all, he's thinking he's going to see this uh, monument to Hawkwing, and instead it's this Trolloc monument with a hawk being eaten alive, basically, by uh, by ravens, you know, and it's covered in Trolloc's iconography and uh, symbols. I mean, it's just uh, (laughs) stomach-turning.
0: Yeah. Kind of interesting to me to think of Trollocs taking the time to do something like that. But I guess in that world they did.
1: <laughs> yeah, them. <laughs> or they would or
0: have, have, maybe. The
1: dread, you know, we've talked about this once or twice before, but the idea of dreadlords.
0: Sure. So, sure. Uh, I guess, I guess, you know, yeah, when you say Trollocs, I'm, there are others. Yeah. Shadow Spawn and probably Dark Friends involved, just like with the group that they've been chasing. Uh, I think we sometimes say that they're chasing the Dark Friends or the Trollocs, but there's really several um, in in that group. Yep, um, like we said it well, before,
1: it's a dark it's a dark friend pyramid scheme. Dark
0: <laughs> dark friend pyramid scheme. We're gonna bring that one back. Um, I did I said that there was nothing living <laughs> in this world. I, I misspoke because there is well. There, there, there's more than one something living in this world, and I'm not just talking about our uh, intrepid heroes, our trio of, of heroes. Uh, Hurin, uh, at one point as they're traveling, thinks that he sees a woman off in the distance, and then they hear a woman scream. And they see a, 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 a woman being attacked by uh, very strange creatures.
1: Yeah, so this is our first encounter with this strange creature called a Grom.
0: It's not even fun to say.
1: No. It's a... It's (laughs) In the description here, uh, you know, Rand is stunned for a moment. If a frog were as big as a bear, or if a bear had a frog's gray-green hide, it might look like that. A big bear. Uh, So it's this, like, gigantic frog creature with three eyes. Big frog bear. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. It's got three. eyes. It's uh, got a it's, beak for a mouth, talons yeah. on its hands. I mean, it, this thing is a, a a nightmare beast. So yeah,
0: uh, <laughs> uh, uh, it's definitely a a strange creature, a frightening creature, and it's about to kill this poor woman. Yep, but Rand saves the day. Yeah such a and hero
1: and uh, <laughs> all those years of Tam teaching him how to use a bow.
0: <laughs> yeah. Right in the center eye. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking Hulk? I, I say, I'm thinking <laughs> back to uh, right outside the mines of Morio when they're fighting the, the the guardian, I think or what I think it was a it wasn't called the guardian. It was a creature like that though. Um, oh, the
1: the creature and, in the water.
0: Yeah, it had a name. It was something like the Guardian, but I don't think that was it. The Watcher yeah. or something. Um, but yeah, Legolas hits it right in the eye. Well, Rand could give Legolas a run for his money right here, I think.
1: Yeah, because this is right.
0: not... <laughs> it's it's quite some distance.
1: Yeah. It's uh... it's
0: quite some distance, and he hits its, it, it, he hits its center eye.
1: Yeah, because he is... Yeah, they're... Let's see. Yeah, it's, it's quite a bit of distance. 200 paces. So. Which I
0: know we have the like the measurement scales somewhere in the like in the back of the book, but I'm not going to take the time to look for that right now. So, readers, if you have your own copy, look back in the uh, back of the book and look for the measurements or the distance and, and see what those measurements are. Uh, <laughs> so let, let's let's talk about um, let's talk about Celine. Okay. Um. Well, let's just start with the obvious. Well, maybe there's more than one obvious thing. Um, she's here where they have not seen, uh, even the, this barely, barely a sign of life for a couple of days, the, the whole time they've been in this place, they haven't seen a sign of life. So not only is she here, but she is quite literally the most beautiful woman any of them have ever seen. Yeah. Uh, Rand even at one point starts, uh, you know, for lack of a word, comparing her to Egwene and Elaine, the daughter heir of Andor. And the way he's thinking, it's almost like there's not even a comparison. Yeah. Like, she is far and above more beautiful than those those two women. Uh, and then, of course, I think he starts feeling guilty about it again.
1: Uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. it says, basically, uh, Elaine and Egwene were each enough to take a man's breath away. But this woman, his tongue stuck to the roof of his mouth, and his heart finally started beating again. So she literally stopped his heart. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all uh, right, well. Yeah.
0: She's she's uh, probably done that to, to a lot of men who have seen her.
1: Yeah, she even does it to Loyal. Who's not that even was, human?
0: <laughs> <laughs> that that was the, the crazy thing. I have the quote uh, written down here. I, I love the way and, and and you know the the end of it is is kind of a, a bit of a laugh too. He says, "I have never uh, I have never thought of it before. If there is such a thing as perfect human beauty in face and form, then you and then of course Rand interrupts him." Yeah. Uh cuts him off, but you know, Loyal was pretty much saying you're the most beautiful human I've ever seen. And and again, yeah. you made the point. This is Loyal who's not even human and is <laughs> enamored with her beauty. Yeah. Uh and then of course Kieran just gets completely taken aback and gets completely loose-lipped about certain things.
1: Yeah. So just I can't say
0: right I, on out. <laughs> I couldn't. Can't say I wouldn't do the same thing in this situation. If this if this woman is as beautiful as as Rand says she is, I'd probably get a little tongue-tied and uh, maybe say say some things too. But
1: yeah, so and just comes out and says, tells her all about their their quest to find the Dark Friends and how they're trying to get the Horn of Valir. <laughs> He's just like, here's every
0: secret I've got, Rand. Rand has that moment he kind of cringes cuz here just blurted it out and you know you're telling everybody this 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 bit of business that you know just this person that we just met we don't even know who she is i don't even think they knew her name yet right <laughs> and he just uh blurts it out there and and she takes that and you know keeps bringing that up over and over again throughout really these next two chapters about how the man who blows the horn of valier will be a legend he will have you know he'll be a man of renown history will remember him for forever and of course rand is going on and on he doesn't he doesn't want any of that but Celine keeps bringing it up and keeps uh keeps mentioning it to him uh we mentioned just the mere fact that Celine is here in this world uh we're pretty sure I mean I guess uh, we're we're almost certain if not completely certain that in order to use a portal stone one has to have some in some way use the power or be able to use the power. Right. So but Celine is insistent she's not Aes Sedai. Uh she even almost seems a little bit offended to be called Aes Sedai. She she's very critical of of them and even you know, tells Rand never call me, never call me that. So, I, what I want to know is how she got here.
1: Well, and I it think could we would all that,
0: like to know that. <laughs>
1: uh, the simple answer it may be that she's a wilder like Nynaeve. Okay. Um, so there are definitely people who uh, can. You know, we haven't come across any yet, but I would assume there are probably some people who can manage a rough control of the power like Nynaeve had, who probably. Do not feel good things about the Aes Sedai. Don't want to be associated with them. I mean, Nynaeve really doesn't want to be, because, you know, Nynaeve's only doing it basically because she feels like she has to, to protect the boys. She really doesn't want to be an Aes Sedai, but she wants the knowledge. Uh, It seems like Selene's got plenty of knowledge, apparently being some type of noble woman, Uh, so maybe she just doesn't, like, maybe she has some reason to hate Aes Sedai, but can still, in some way, use the power. You know, it could be okay. as much as could be as simple as something like uh, with Rand not even realizing what she did.
0: Sure, sure. Um, well, I mean that I hadn't really considered that possibility, but I, I, I guess too you mentioned Celine's knowledge, and maybe yeah. that's what maybe that's what throws me off a little bit because she she knows a lot. Yep. She is very well informed about a lot of things. Of course, Loyal chalks it up to her being, uh, from Kyrian, saying that the, the library there is the greatest in the world. So that must be where she got all of this knowledge. And I don't know. It's, uh, it's suspicious. Yeah. At, at the very least. Um, I don't know. You got anything to to say about that?
1: I think it's supposed to be suspicious. You know, I I don't think Jordan is really hiding that from us here, that it does seem like she's got knowledge that the rest of the party doesn't. Uh she does act a little strange. Um one thing I want to make a point of uh okay. So the way we meet Celine here Is like, they're just going along, doing their own thing, and they suddenly hear a scream. Yeah. And then hearing spots her, and then Aaron and everybody else sees her. Correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, haven't we been seeing random women in the last few chapters?
0: Uh, We have. um, Uno kept spotting uh, a woman in, in, in in a couple of the villages it was mentioned. Uh, he thought he saw a woman, like, in one of the houses. And then when he went to investigate, she wasn't there. And then I believe, um, I believe Iguain saw a woman in one of her dreams, even yeah. standing over Rand. And, yep. uh, then they, then they just disappeared. So, ooh, you bring up some, you bring up some interesting thoughts. Yeah. It just um, seems a
1: little suspicious to me. Uh, yes. <laughs> so I don't know. Really? I, I, wheels a lot of,
0: wheels uh, are turning. Things are clicking.
1: <laughs> um, so, yeah, it, and it's you know I'm trying to remember if I can find where it is. Yeah, and she uses strange terms like right,
0: uh, right. Uh, she she calls, keeps calling she keeps calling loyal a lantern.
1: Yep. And, uh, and do we do
0: we get a do we get a description of what that means? I know I think Ran asks uh, about it, but I yeah. don't think we get an actual answer.
1: No, uh, as far as I can tell, at least not right now. There is no. Uh, she cuts him off basically, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. by just continuing to talk about what she wants to talk to, about.
0: Yeah, there, um, there's also there's also this uh, little bit I just kind of kind of saw again, and yeah, I saw it too. She just does kind of cut him off when. When, when he asked about it, but she's also is encouraging Rand to, uh, pretty much stay in the void, or as she calls it, the oneness all the yeah. time. Yeah. Something that, that Rand is reluctant to do, but also conflicted about. And I think that, that can pull us into the next chapter. Sure. Which is chapter 17, choices. Pursued by Morgrom, Rand reluctantly embraces what he knows that he must do. Using the portal stone, he's able to transport them back to their own world, though he doesn't fully understand how. Selene reveals more knowledge about the other worlds, or how they work, and suggests that they might possibly now be ahead of the Dark Friends. And so it's time to set up camp and see if she is right. So I... I, I bring up that point that we did at the end of the last chapter about Rand, how he's feeling about entering the Void or going as far as uh, seizing Sidene, which he does while he's in the Void. Yeah. And I I see it as he's actually kind of conflicted
1: about it. Yeah. He's... Yeah, go ahead. It's, you know, things are easier when he exists in the void, because he's able to basically, uh, you know, he talks about it in various parts in the last book, again, in this book, but when you're in the void, to maintain the void, you basically feed your emotions into the fire. It's very stoic, cold, uh, but it helps you, it's a focusing and uh, almost a zen-like state yeah. that you enter, and it makes it easy for him to... Push aside all his conflicted emotions and just be. Right. Uh, it's a very rational, almost in my mind, it's almost like a Vulcan-like state. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's it's enticing because it's easy. You know, outside of the void, he has to deal with his insecurities, his fears, all of his conflicted emotions. But if he just feeds it all into the void, he can just exist. Uh, but the the downside is that uh, as he has learned. There's something waiting in the void for him nowadays, right uh, I was gonna that is
0: i was yeah. I was gonna say you know he's been using the void. he's been you know using that technique for a long time. yeah, his father or Tam taught it to him, and you know he used it for archery tournaments back in the two rivers. He's used it for many things since then. but as you were about to say now. There's something else there. Yep. And he knows it's there waiting for him. So that's why he's conflicted about even entering the void and why, you know, how Selene keeps telling him, embrace it, embrace it. And he's like, no, I don't really want to do that. Yeah. Uh, Because he's, but at the same time, I think he's also, you know, he's also conflicted about using the power because he knows that it's dangerous. He's afraid of it, but at the same time he's tempted by it because he knows what he can do through it. Yeah um, and we see you know when when they're being pursued the the, the the first group of Grom that pursue them, the the group of five, and he puts five arrows, he only fires five arrows. Yeah, And every single one of them hits center eye. Yeah. I I I know he's good with a bow when he's in the void, but I can't help but think there's something else in play there. Um, that's my opinion. <laughs> it just feels that way to me that maybe there's something else at play. Maybe a little bit of, he's getting a little bit of help from somewhere. Um, it was remarkable shooting. Yeah, uh, but then when it comes to the point, they they get pursued by even more of these big frog bear creatures, and you know, now he has no choice. Right? Yeah. They're at the portal stone. As far as he knows, he's the only one who can do anything. Again, Celine reveals more knowledge. She knows like at least one marking that's on the stone, and it. Represents what well, the true world or the their their real world, and he's the only one that could do anything about it. He's got to channel the power. Yeah, uh, and he does. And flicker, flicker, flicker.
1: <laughs> what yep. is going
0: on with the flicker, flicker, flicker?
1: What do you think is going on?
0: Well, I mean, it almost it almost came across to me as though they might even be moving through like multiple different worlds, like one after the other. Like, he keeps... Mm -hmm. He's, like, cycling through until they finally get to the right one.
1: Yeah, it's like the worlds are on a Rolodex, and he's spinning through the catalog to get to the right one.
0: (laughs) For our younger listeners, a Rolodex
1: is the spinny file system that used to exist.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, did we really just say, for our younger listeners... (laughs) Oh,
1: listen! i have got, got a, some, ep- got got some episode
0: titles tonight.
1: <laughs> I've got a younger sister, and I've got nieces and nephews. I can guarantee you they don't have a clue what a real <laughs> sex is. Back in my day,
0: <laughs> we used card catalogs. Yeah. The we decimal didn't have system. internet. What?
1: <laughs> the Dewey Decimal System. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: man. Thank you for that. Um... <laughs> So, 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 okay. So, so it is like a multiversal Rolodex. Yep. Okay. So that, I, I guess I, I read that correctly that they're just flipping through different, different worlds and they do finally get back to the real one and all seems right with the world. Before we talk about, um, this potential revelation about, uh, you know, where they are and and how far they may have traveled. Uh, this moment, where Rand is at a loss for what to say, he's he's talking with Celine. He doesn't know how to handle the situation, and he's he says, "If only Perrin were here," or something to that effect. <laughs> I don't know if we've brought this up before, but this is something I know we've seen a couple of times when the group was separated that. You know, and and it, and it, minor spoiler, it's gonna happen again, and they're all gonna kind of project. All three of the boys are gonna project that on each other. They're gonna, be, oh, I wish Rand was here. Rand knows how to talk to girls. I wish Perrin was here. Perrin knows how to talk to girls and all that. And it, I, it just makes me laugh every time. Yeah, because they all they all think that the other ones know how to how to handle this situation, but they're all completely clueless. Yep. And and you know, speaking speaking as a man who, especially one who was in my late teens, early twenties at one time, that is very much real to life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is is it not? We we don't know when we're in those situations. We don't know what we're doing.
1: No, um, and it always seems like your friend. Has it all figured
0: out? Yeah, your friends, your friends got it figured out, but not you. You never know what to do. Uh, yeah. I'm 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 35 and been married for 12 years. Sometimes I still don't know what I'm doing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I just I love those moments. I wanted to bring that up. Let's talk about um what we find out here, or maybe find out here at the end because it's not really confirmed. But Celine. I think it is offers, is, is, a, so, Celine that offers the suggestion that they might be ahead of the dark friends that they were trailing. Is that right?
1: Yeah. So she that, actually, uh, it, you know, they're, they're thinking that they've failed, they've lost, cause hearing has lost the trail. He, and they're, he, they like, got
0: off, they got off the trail to get to the portal stone.
1: Yep. Uh, but then she brings up the point, uh, you know, Loyal, she starts talking about uh, how they may not have lost it and that she knows a few things. And Loyal is, of course, mirrors as <laughs> You know, this reference to this book that he wants to see and she says that she's seen. Uh, and then she's like, those worlds truly are mirrors in a way, especially the ones where there are no people. Some of them reflect only great events in the true world, but some have a shadow of that reflection even before the event occurs. The passage of the Horn of Valir would certainly be a great event. Reflections of that will be fainter than reflections of what is or what was, just as Huron says. The trail he followed was faint. So basically, she's insinuating, and Huron picks up on it, that they were chasing the trail of the Dark Friends in that mirror world that they hadn't done yet.
0: He was sensing where they were going to be. Yeah. Which kind of rattles him a little bit. Yeah. It kind of rattles urine a little bit. Yeah,
1: I can't blame him because it, you know, that's dangerously close to like foretelling and like the power and stuff. Oh, yeah. uh, so he's used to like he he's his smelling is something he's used to. This this is like prophecy almost to him, and it's it's freaking him out. <laughs> yeah,
0: I, I imagine it would be. I would probably be a little a little freaked out by it too. Um, no. But it, it offers the possibility. And you know, if you know, I, I said before, I, I didn't think that the dark Friends were actually in the mirror world. Uh, Rand and the others seemed to think that was the case. but I, I, I had mentioned I didn't think that that was the case. and this would kind of make sense now. And if they did stay in the the real world for lack of a better word, um and Rand and the others have covered insane amounts of distance in a very short amount of time it would only make yeah. sense right yep so now we're going to camp out and figure and find out if we're right right but before so. we do that we're going to go to Tar Valon
1: yeah we finally get there
0: finally <laughs> to in 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 chapter 18 to the white tower Tar Valon at last Yep. But not before Nynaeve and Egwene get a very intense private lesson from the Amerlin herself. Upon arrival, they think that they've been forgotten, but they're soon met by Sheriam Sedai, mistress of novices, who warns of the challenges that await them, not just in training, but in the life of an Sedai as well. So we're on a boat. Yep. Uh, the the River Queen, is that is that the boat we're on, traveling down? It is. From... Traveling down from, uh, well, from, yeah, well, they traveled over land to where they could get on the boat. Oh, yeah. And then, uh, from, uh, Shinar, that's what, that's the name I was looking for, uh, to Tarvalin. Uh, Nynaeve is dealing with a little bit of, uh, seasickness. Or, or would it be river sickness in this case? (laughs) (laughs) Her stomach isn't enjoying the time on the boat, um, but Egwene She's never is, been on one before either. That's true. Uh, Egwene is facing bigger challenges. I think, though. Yeah, uh, um, she's still she's still having her dreams. She's, um, she keeps seeing the man in the mask with the flaming eyes. Of course, we know who she's talking about. We know who she's <laughs> seeing. She she doesn't know. She's unaware. But she keeps seeing him, and she's she's still convinced that Rand is in some kind of danger, and she's trying to get some answers or at least some idea about what she's what's going on or what she's dealing with, but those seem to be few and far between,
1: yeah, I think Wayne here is finally <laughs> realizing that. Moraine was kind of spoiling her (laughs) like being there to answer questions you know even if sometimes it was cryptic or she put off the answers Moraine would let her ask and would would generally at least give some form of an answer and I think Egwene uh, you know she went from this girl she's still young she finally was allowed to braid her hair which is a sign of becoming a woman she goes off with Moraine and she thinks, you know, she is all that in a bag of chips. She unbraids her hair. She's learning how to use the power. She's big stuff. And then all of a sudden, she realizes, maybe not so much. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. These I and I don't seem to think you're as special as you think you are. And, uh, you know, their ways are not, you know, you're going to be going back to uh, being treated like the child. Again, and I don't think yeah. she's liking that too much. She wants her answers, but well, she wants them.
0: And you, you bring up the point, you know, before they left the Two Rivers, she had just braided her hair.
1: Yep.
0: You know, she had just, for lack of a better term, become a woman. A, a, an adult, so to speak. I, I can imagine, I w- I can imagine I would feel the same frustration, you know, to go from, and and... and Sometimes I think there is that kind of frustration because it's like when you, <laughs> when, when you go home and somebody that you've known your whole life, they still treat you like a child, like you haven't grown up. But this is a little bit different. Um, you know, this is someone she didn't know before, you know, a, a week ago. And yeah, there, I can imagine the frustration of, you know, she went from being considered a grown up to now she's being treated like a child again. Anaya won't give her any of the answers or all the answers that she wants, but at the same time Egwene's holding back information too.
1: <laughs> yeah, at least she has the sense to do that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Because I she's... think she's
1: definitely right here. If she starts telling everything she's seeing <laughs>
0: <laughs> Oh yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think it's I don't think it's a bad idea. I'm just, you know, you're not giving all the information. They're not giving all the information. You know, it's a it's a fair trade, right? <laughs> It's, uh, everybody's kind of doing the same thing to each other a little bit.
1: Yeah, the way she's t- looks at it here, you know, it's because of the fact that Moraine has talked about how powerful she could be, and and same yeah. thing with Nynaeve. Egwene uh, almost, it seems like, she's ex- expected when these Aes Sedai finally met up with her that they'd be, like, fawning over her and, like... Oh, look! You're gonna be so great, and this is gonna be, and and it's not that way at all. It's, you know, basically, they seem to couldn't care less. You're just another child coming to the tower. You know, it's uh, her world is uh, not what she hoped.
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe she was expecting some special treatment because she's yeah. supposedly so powerful, but she's gonna get the same treatment that any other novice gets. You know, she she's in for the same long road, the same challenges, the same discipline. Uh all of that uh is, is in her future. What's interesting is and may, maybe we've covered this before, but we, we get it repeated here, that is not the uh future that's awaiting Nynaeve in the Tower.
1: No. Uh for the first time in tower history, she's gonna get to go straight to being accepted.
0: Yeah, and, and the Amberlin tells her, you know, it it's it a lot of it's because of her level of power. Yep. And she, she says, I believe in people getting what they deserve. <laughs> um which I don't know. Nynaeve might it might do her some good to spend some time as
1: a novice. I don't know, but <laughs> um I don't think it would – I think the Amralin is wise enough to see that Nynaeve is the type of person all putting her as a novice would do is slow her down. Mm. It wouldn't teach her anything. Like The the whole point of being a novice is to teach them uh, you know, to be ready to learn and accept of learning and to question and uh, yeah. to submit. Yeah. And I don't think – I think the Amralin is wise enough to see here that Nynaeve is the kind of person – you could teach you could make her a novice for the next twenty five years and she would never learn she would to never submit. learn it <laughs> that's, that's the
0: very thing she needs to learn, but it's the very one thing she's not going to learn in in that yeah. way um and that of course you know even even with that uh, assurance of you know skipping that the novice level for that matter for for that matter you know it's still pretty tense. And and, and and poor Gawain gets caught in the middle of it, but yeah, the the I mean, you could you could cut the tension between Nynaeve and the Ammerlin with a knife, maybe. Yeah. With, with, with a sh- it would have to be a sharp knife. Or um,
1: maybe I don't <laughs> know a sword.
0: Uh, maybe maybe that uh, <laughs> that that sword made of the power that Rand used to hack through the, the the cord that was connected to Baalzaman at the end of the the previous book.
1: Or the one the Amrelin uh, makes right
0: here. I don't know. We might need something a little bit stronger than that. Uh, that was pretty <laughs> cool though. When Nynaeve mentions just give me a sword and I'm fine and yeah. you know here's a sword. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um that that was pretty cool. Um so let's talk a little bit about this this lesson. Right. That that I guess it was more for I mean, I think it was for Egwene too, but a lot of it seems to have been more for Nynaeve. Yeah. So let's 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 talk about that. Tell tell us a little something. What what we got going on here.
1: Yeah, I I think what's happening here is, you know, obviously the omeland is here for both of them. She's not yeah. wasting Egwene's time. But I think she realizes from having spoken to everyone else that the trick with Nynaeve is her temper. Uh, and so I think she's intentionally Working to provoke her,
0: <laughs> yeah. She she has to be angry to channel. Yeah. We we learned that that her anger it seems to be a key to to her channeling. Yeah, like with the burning blanket. Yeah, and she in that moment she was getting really frustrated, and then yeah. poof, um, yeah. So yeah, she there there's there's a little bit of a a square off uh, a, a high noon <laughs> showdown in that tiny little cabin that was barely big enough for two. Yeah. Um, this,
1: you know, Nynaeve is like, is in all fairness, Nynaeve is poking back at the bear. <laughs> you know, she's like tired of all these stupid little exercises, trying to stir the air and all this.
0: Yeah, light He's, the candle. Like, put out the candle. Yeah. Light it again.
1: <laughs> now put it out. Yeah. Pa! You know, she's like, if you want to teach me, teach me something useful. <laughs> and so the, the, uh, the Omerlin's like okay, boom,
0: <laughs> and 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 holds her in place. Yep, with the power, and I think inadvertently does the same thing to Egwene, poor child. Yeah, um, but there's there's more that happens though too. Um, well, Nynaeve fires back after a moment. Yeah, but then what else happens?
1: Well. Uh- I just want to, before we move into that, I want to mention the fact that so <laughs> the Armorlin is pinning basically Nynaeve and Egwene in flows yeah. of air. She's holding them still. Nynaeve, her reaction is much more violent. Like, she doesn't grab hold of the Armorlin, she basically sucker punches her, her with air
0: yeah. <laughs>
1: and knocks her clear into a wall. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so Egwene says it's so hard. Her head rebounds off the wall of the ship. (laughs) I mean, Uh, uh, I don't know that the Ommerlin was expecting that violent of reaction. (laughs) Uh, But you know, obviously, everything's going on. The Ommerlin's trying to just diffuse the situation. She's like, "Okay, child, let's." But at the same time, why don't we all just release each other and everything like that? And (laughs) Nynaeve thinks she has the upper hand here. Getting kind of cocky, and so she's like, you know, just going on and on about it, and all of a sudden, boom, the power's gone.
0: Yeah. Man. You just imagine what that would be like. Yeah. Just just all of a sudden, I mean, she, she had just been using the power, and then gone. Yep. Um, which probably isn't going to do anything for her temper. No, <laughs> No. I would imagine not. Uh
1: yeah. So how is uh, that
0: how is that described? It's like you know, it's still sensible, like they she can still sense it. Yep. But it's it's like it's out of reach.
1: Yeah. So think about it this, this way. This is the best way I can think to describe it. So think of the connection to Sidene as like a flowing river. Sidar. Sidar, yes. Mm. Man, I keep switching this around. The, the power. Minutes. The power. Yeah. So the, the connection to Sidar here, uh, think of it as Sidar is this huge ocean of power. Yeah. And anytime you connect to it, you pull a flow of that power, so it basically is stream off of that. What's happened here in shielding is basically the Omralin has placed a dam in that flow. So she can still tell there's power there, but now her flow is dried up and she can't touch she can't get past that wall anymore. So it's like there's a wall in between her and the power. She can still feel it there on the other side, but she can't touch it. Yeah. She, uh, which it's distinctly different from like stilling or gentling. Sure. So sure. she, she stealing, still
0: has, she still has, she still has the ability. Yes. It's just been, it's just been blocked for, from her temporarily.
1: Yeah. So, and this is the first time we see this happen to a woman. We had okay. reference made to it with uh, False Dragons and with Loghain, How the sisters, when uh, Rand saw Loghain march, marched through Camelin, there were sisters that were shielding him yeah. because he hadn't been stilled yet, or hadn't been gentle. yet. Yeah. Uh, but this is the first time we've actually seen it happen. <laughs> okay.
0: And then then Egwene just sitting there, still can't you know can't move. <laughs> yep. Caught in the crossfire. Afterwards, she's like trying to. Figure out how to get out of the room and, you know, kind of give Nynaeve her space while also not, you know, ticking her off. Um, so I feel sorry for for Egwene in those yeah. moments.
1: Um, yeah, I almost feel worse for her. Like, okay, sure, it's bad that she got caught up in the, the flow of air and everything like that. But I almost feel worse for her. Because of how the fact that Nynaeve now knows that Egwene had to watch this. Yeah. <laughs> and how that affects Nynaeve's attitude towards Egwene over the next few days because of it. Yeah. Because Nynaeve if, is nothing if not prideful, and this is definitely a big hit to her pride. And Egwene was witness.
0: <laughs> yeah, I imagine that's gotta that's gotta take a take a toll, take a punch. Um yeah. But we are finally at our destination or at least this yeah. destination of the city of, of Tarvalin and I, I I didn't write down any of the descriptor, descriptors of it but um, it's truly a, a wonder to behold um, kind of sitting on an island splitting the river there are beautiful ornate bridges that that come across the the river onto the island it is it's a you know, beautiful city, ogear built. Uh, I believe it's even said you know the finest their finest work that they ever did or something along those lines. Yeah. Uh, we get a glimpse of the White tower uh, kind of standing above the the rest of the of the uh, the city. but nobody seems to have time for our, our two women from from Emmons field. Yep. <laughs> everybody's just kind of doing their own thing. Almost as if they've forgotten that they're there. But then, Sheriam um shows up. Sheriam um, Sadai, yeah. the Mistress of Novices, and isn't uh, isn't shy about telling them how hard it's going to be. Yep. And I, I, I especially thought that was I, maybe this is a, a character moment for for Egwene because you know Sheriam's telling her part of the training is designed to break them. Like to, to weed out the weak, the weaklings and only let the strong press on because as she puts it, we don't need, you know, weakness among the ranks of the Aes Sedai because it's only going to get harder yeah. once you come to full sisterhood. So they, they purposefully designed the training to, to break them. But Egwene's determined she's not going to break. She is going to succeed uh where others have failed many others have succeeded as well but she's she's not going to break and that's that's pretty much where our chapter ends yeah uh with them heading to the white tower and uh i guess it's about to it's about to get real for them yeah
1: <laughs> so um i just want to bring up one point real quick calling yeah. back uh so when they first arrive in the city here. Um, uh, When they get off the boat, we're describing uh, what we see as far as the tower and everything. There's one thing... Okay, here we go. Uh, So, the walls of the city, the shining walls of Tarvalin, glistened white as the sun broke through the clouds. And on the west bank, its broken top, leaking a thin wisp of smoke, Dragon Mount reared... Black against the sky. One mountain standing among flat lands and rolling hills. Dragon mount. Where the dragon had died. Dragon mount. Made by the dragons dying. Uh, so we get this callback to this mountain that we saw created in the prologue of the first book. This mountain that apparently Tam found a baby on the side of. Yeah. Uh, and we get it. This looming spire this volcano that shouldn't exist where it is. It's in the middle of Flatlands, this random single volcano uh, right beside this shining city. This white tower, this dark ominous volcano looms.
0: <laughs> uh, I had never thought about that before, but yeah, that is ominous. Yeah. Um, mm.
1: so, the very, very island that the city is built upon is only exists because Dragon Mount created it when it was being made. Mm, okay. So it's, uh, I don't know, just kind of coming full circle almost back to that and just seeing, no matter how big the White Tower is, this Dragon Mount looms over it.
0: Looms over everything. <laughs> yeah. In more ways than one.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh. All right. Um, well, uh, you know, Man, uh, for for three relatively short chapters, we cover quite a bit. Yeah,
1: <laughs> there's a lot packed into some of these chapters.
0: Yeah, there is. There's a lot of information, and I'm sure there's much more uh, we could have said. Um, you know, I'm 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 looking forward to. Well, I, I'm looking forward to finding out if we're right about where the dark friends are. Right. Not not where the wild things are, but where the dark th- dark friends are. <laughs> um and you know i'm i'm curious to learn more about Celine yeah uh, i think i think there's more to the story that we uh we need to learn and i'm interested in in maybe seeing more of the uh you know the training of, of an ice Sedai, how that begins what that looks like and i, I i'm looking forward to getting into some of that uh, other than that no white cloaks in this episode. No, nope, not that's
1: even. The right always,
0: that's always <laughs> that's always a good thing because white cloaks are the worst. Yep. Uh, you got any final thoughts?
1: Uh not too much this week. Just that there's a uh, just like always more questions, a couple answers, but more questions.
0: Lots of questions.
1: Uh, you know, and uh, I Yeah, I can't say much more without spoilers. But uh, there's. There's just a lot of fun little moments that happen in these chapters that I like to to really pick apart in my head when I'm reading through it. Uh, yeah. So I encourage uh, readers really take your time with some of these chapters because there's there's some fun little nuggets you'll find.
0: Uh, so so, you'll so maybe go back, back go on. back and go back and read them again. You read them once, go back and read them again, and yeah, maybe pay attention to some things. And uh, answers are forthcoming. Yes uh it's some but you gotta point you got
1: to stay tuned and co- and come back next week
0: yeah <laughs> or the next week or like 5 years from now when we're finally getting to the end <laughs> or or longer it might be it might be longer than that
1: <laughs> Oh come on uh, we can we can do it in I think at least seven.
0: We're going to be like 60 and still. <laughs> um, well, with that, we'll go ahead and uh, wrap up this this episode for this week. We want to thank all of you, our listeners, for joining us as we do every week. We we, we really couldn't do the show without you. We, we want to do this for you. It's for us, too. We enjoy talking about these books, but uh, you are the reason we keep coming back and doing it every week, and so we're thankful for you. Keep coming back and listening with us and reading this wonderful book series, whether you're reading it for the first time, whether you're reading it for the 10th the time, uh, or, or uh, you know, however many times you've read it, come back and enjoy this time with us. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Uh, new episodes are going to be released every Tuesday, uh, and so you can uh, subscribe there and make sure that it comes to your podcatcher uh, as soon as the new episode is available. While you're doing that, we'd also ask, if you would, rate and review the show, if that's something that you can do. Uh, reviews especially help us to get higher up in the, in the podcast charts and get more, more visibility for the show so that more people can come and join in on the fun. You can also interact with us on social media. We're on Twitter at wind beginning on Instagram at the wind was a beginning Facebook and YouTube at the wind was a beginning, a wheel of time podcast. You could also email us at the wind was beginning at gmail.com. And we would love it. If you would interact with us in those places, we, we, uh, whenever we do get a response, it, 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 it It's it's exciting. We love it. We're happy to hear from you, and you can ask us questions. You can maybe offer some theories, especially if you're reading for the first time. We'd love to hear your theories, what you think is going to happen in upcoming chapters, or what you think could happen. So we would love to have some interactions with you in that way. Next Tuesday, we're going to be going a little bit further into this book. We're going to be looking at chapters 19 to 21 of The Great Hunt. So we hope you'll come back and be with us for that episode and for every episode as we continue to make our way through this great series of books. So with that, I will say good night or good morning, good afternoon, whatever time of day it is that you're listening. Hope that you've enjoyed your time with us today, and we'll see you here next week.
1: Have a great day, everybody.
0: if there is such a thing as perfect human Biddy, be- beauty Biddy, <laughs> if, <laughs> sorry about that.